There comes a time in each man's life when he can't even believe his own eyes. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour. We're here once again of a Friday working with bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how are you doing today? Doing very well. Hi, kids. Good to see you as usual. Happy Friday. Happy you know, Friday. Last weekend, Suzanne and I were just flipping around channels, and I said, hey, why don't we find out, though I'm sure the game is over by now, let's see how the Mariners made out. So we tuned in just in time to catch the 18th inning there. And I'll tell you, my stress level just went through the roof. That was man. perfect timing believe. on your guys' part, by the way. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The whole story. Look at the run production in oh this my game. God. 18 innings, <clears throat> one home run. Boom. Done. Yeah. Thanks. Nice to see you. We'll be back next year, hopefully. I'm proud of the Mariners for actually making the playoffs. It's great that they did it. And it seems to me like in the recent construction of the American League, all roads seem to go to and through Houston if you're going to go anywhere. Boo, Houston. <laughs> Here we are. Wait, can you hear that? <laughs> did you get the sign? Did you get the signal? Anyways, <laughs> no. hey, good luck to them. Good luck to everyone's <laughs> playing. But yes, I actually watched the entire game. It was one oh, of those God. things. Yep, start to finish. And it was like, it kept going, kept going, handling the boys, doing dinner, going back to the game, watching more stuff, doing some yeah. homework, going back to the game. I'm like, wow, they're really making this like close and tight. And then my friends are texting me. We're all like, we can't watch the other stuff <laughs> that we're supposed to watch. The Cougs played that day too. They lost. But anyways, we won't get to that. There was less people watching that because- we were so busy with the Mariners because we really wanted that one. Right. Yes. Oh, absolutely. There's uh, th there's just a, a lot of history there. Yeah. And yes, frustration uh, rules, but there's always next year. And the Mariners, I congratulate them for a pretty good season. And the fact that they're taking their own prospects seriously in a way that is perceptible. They are trying to do something about their sorry record over the last couple of decades. And the fans aren't willing to settle for it. And fortunately, no. neither is team ownership or management. Yeah, we get we get bummed, you know, here and there. We can, uh, you know, dissolve the sports talk here so we can get on to our amazing guests. But basically, 21 years since the playoffs, we finally got better and back at it. We have a young team. We're going to look even refreshed and sharper and stronger for next year. I um, mean, hopefully we can still make it to the dance before I die. You know, that, that is not as, as comical yeah. as it sounds because the, the Cubs won the World Series in 1908 and 2016. Right. There were a whole lot of people that were born, lived, and died and never saw the Cubs win the World Series. Right. So, I mean, it can can't happen over yeah. 108 years. Hey, real let's, fast. Let's hope it doesn't happen to the Mariners. Real fast. It would have been before 2016 if it weren't for uh, Bartman, right? Or, Bat or what was his name? The guy that he like went up for the ball and it went off of him. And he, oh, yeah, right, right. Steve Bartman. Bartman, yeah. yeah. But it would have been then because that was like the. Yeah. I thought that play would have made them go to, but then he messed it up. Yep. Before yep. 16. Anyway, I'll have to look at I, I remember I remember seeing <laughs> that. He, he does received, too. 
he received at least one offer from a Florida bar that said, come on down, Bartman, you'll never pay for a drink again. I bet he did. <laughs> I bet he did. I'd be right with him. I'd be like, man, leave him alone. You would have done it too. All right. We are good to be with you as always, Benny. We're going to be talking today to our good friend, Garnet Schulhauser. He's one of those excellent people we regard as a friend. We just haven't met him face to face yet. So not we're yet. trying to work on that. He's also not even from this country. No, he's not. As a matter of fact, I mean, uh, you know, and something to be said we about are that. So international here, so very cosmopolitan. That's, That's right. right. Garnet Schulhauser is a retired lawyer who lives near Victoria on Canada's beautiful Vancouver Island with his wife Kathy and their little dog Abby. Many years ago, Garnet left his lucrative law practice after someone incredibly wise and immensely kind challenged him to consider a far richer way to live. In the process, one that asked much of the author, but returned vastly more, Garnet Schulhauser dug deep into his soul to discover the ineffable joy of spiritual enlightenment. And he keeps writing about it. He has a series of books. We'll hear more about that momentarily. He has not stopped writing and talking about it since. And so for the umpteenth time, ninth. the ninth time, we welcome Garnet Schulhauser to Manson Mitchell. Garnet, buddy, it's good to see you again. Good to see you guys. Thanks for having me again. And I'm looking forward to the show. It's always enjoyable with you two. Before we go, well, thank you for that. Before we move into the subject matter that is more metaphysical in nature, but there is a metaphysics of hockey. Let's You have to give the sport its due. The thing that I love about Vancouver is when they lose, when Canucks fans lose the Stanley Cup, they go about things the right way. First, they riot. But then the next day they say, what kind of people are we rioting? You know, yes, we riot, but we clean up after ourselves. And I, I go, that's why I love British Columbia. It's why I love Canada. Well, I didn't hear about any riots uh, this spring when, when the Bolts lost the cup. So presumably no. you guys are just way, way better behaved than we are. No, we said, we'll, we'll, we'll get it again. We're, we weren't yeah. the least bit concerned about it. They, they yeah. actually... I would say for a hockey team, they're very well, you know, well thought of and act pretty well. Plus, they won back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. If, if we had made any noise about losing to a fine Colorado Avalanche team, it would have seemed like we were greedy. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You know, you've had your place in the sun. You'll be back again. But it's good to have new faces win the Cup. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, we did have we did have our time there. And that was fun. Still like hockey, saw the Kraken play in Seattle, uh, not, not in Seattle, they played in Tampa, saw them play. And mm -hmm. so hockey season starting and I like, I like that times. sport. Yeah, that's like right. That sport. Garnet, I wanted to just in a general way, ask you about your assessment of current events given, and this is in the aftermath of the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. Suzanne and I were glued to our TV all day long. Six hours. Six yeah. hours. Frankly, I'm not sure I'm going to sink that much time into the coronation come next May. We'll have to see. But it was only fitting to honor Queen Elizabeth II after 70 years of service to Great Britain, to the United Kingdom, and to the world. How did all of that affect you there in Canada? It's I've heard that the Queen had a very special bond and an affinity for Canada. Yeah, she did. She visited a number of times. A lot of Canadians really have a lot of uh, respect for her. They really liked her as a monarch. I mean, it's hard to imagine someone who could have been a better monarch than, than Elizabeth. 
She did a very good job. She has a lot of popularity here. It was interesting during her funeral, I happened to be in Manchester, England, shooting some videos. So I wasn't there for in London for the funeral, which is probably a good thing because it would have been just mass crowds and, and it'd be hard to get around. Uh, but um, my wife was there with me and she was like you glued to the TV for all of that Monday watching the funeral. And I just saw the tail end of it, but it, it's, uh, it was really quite an amazing thing. I'm just lucky, fortunate that we weren't in London at the time, would have been very jammed up. Um, but, but she's very well respected in Canada. Um, I, I'm not so sure about Charles, but uh, time will tell, I guess. Yes, we didn't intend to watch the whole thing. We even talked about it the day before and said, well, we'll catch snippets here and there. And then as it turns out, you know, I did get up early and we just watched it start to finish. And I was glad that I did that because of its historical significance. It is one of the most historical significant things of my lifetime that was not a tragedy. I mean, her death was inevitable uh, at some point, but it, it wasn't like, uh, you know, killings or bombings or things like that. It was, it was just a purely historical event um, to pay attention to worldwide. And, and they were talking about perhaps it had the most listeners of any tele, televised telecast in history, something like that. I don't know if that actually came about or not because I didn't follow up, but a lot of people were, were paying attention to that. And, uh, and with that, a lot of changes. New prime minister in England as Truss steps down. I know we're not here to talk politics. It's just kind of interesting in the triangulation between England, Canada, and the United States, the things that are going on. I told Gary, I wanted to ask you, as a Canadian, do you feel that there is more influence from Canada or do you feel like there's more influence from the United States being just geographically closer? Well, we have, we're more influenced by the United States for sure, because we're right, we're next door neighbors. So we get, it, it was like uh, Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau said once, he said, living next door to America is like sleeping with an elephant. You feel every snort and twitch, and, <laughs> which is probably pretty apt. So we, we, we do, uh, we're very closely aligned to the U.S., um, still have a lot of ties to the UK, but they're not as strong. And so we have, uh, we have to really focus on what's happening south of our border. Are you scared? <laughs> <laughs> if not, you should be. <laughs> oh, well, it's very strange times. And, and, and uh, what I'm really concerned about, as I think a lot of other Canadians, is to make sure that America can preserve its democracy. And I know there's a lot of things yeah. trying to, a lot of people trying to attack that in various ways. Uh, would be disastrous for us if, if your democracy were to fail, and for the whole world, for that matter. I mean, it's you're, you're the leading, strongest, most powerful country with a democracy, and uh, everyone looks up to your, your your model of government. And if uh, if that should fail in any way, it's going to be it's not going to bode well for the rest of the world. So everyone in Canada is watching what's going on. And I'm sure in the UK, and I'm sure in the rest of the world. So um, you're in the spotlight, guys. And so we are, at, you know, in uh, down south, our other border with Mexico, 
I can tell you, I actually talked to uh, bona fide Mexican people years ago when I lived in California. Uh, some of my best friends, where we go up to Southern California, you learn some Spanish and you usually start with the cuss words because that's a, as a kid, that's how you learn it. And then you have these relationships with people who are Hispanic, either from Mexico or from South America. And they're talking with a lady who hailed from Mexico. One time I asked her what uh, the Mexican people thought, generally speaking, of America as a nation. I mean, we're your neighbors to the north. She said there's an old saying in Mexico, pobre Mexico, or pobre Mexico, poor Mexico, so far from God, so close to the United States. <laughs> you know, we put up with them and our border crisis this and that hey they have to put up with us too we're the elephant in everybody's room yeah you know also just tying in and kind of wrapping up this part of what we're talking about is the idea of the economy apparently uh, prime minister trust gave the wealthy a big old fat tax break because that's what you do and of course all of the very right-wing people in the United States said, yeah, yeah, that's the way to do it. And uh, the economy has imploded in England. You know, we're facing recession. We've got inflation going on. And so between what's going on there and what's going on here, what is the Canadian economy like right now? Is that, is that teetering or is it pretty solid? I think it's pretty solid. There are some uh, warning clouds for sure. We have inflation problems just like the rest of the world, um, but I think we'll, we'll get it under control. And what's happening is that uh, the Bank of Canada has been raising interest rates just like the, the Fed in the US. Uh, they're gonna continue to do so. And we have, in a lot of areas in Canada, we have a big house or have had a big housing bubble and the interest rates with mortgage rates going up is basically has stuck the needle into that balloon. So that the air is slowly coming out so that's gonna hurt a lot of people. Um, we still have a major affordability problem for new people, young people to buy a house. It's hard for them to afford to be able to buy a house in the major centers. I think that a lot of US cities have the same problem. So we're, we're, we're sort of in lockstep with the US. Uh, when the Fed raises rates, we raise our rates. Uh, we have to deal with the same inflation. Uh, there's no easy solution, but we'll just have to tough it out. And a lot of people here are predicting a mild recession in, in the beginning of next year. I think the Fed is as well. So we'll see what happens. Um, it, it's not a pretty picture, but on the other hand, runaway inflation is not pretty either. And I can recall back in the early 80s before Volcker stepped in and really jacked the rates up, that inflation was just was, was running wild and it was crazy. So Volcker had to jack the rates way up. That caused a recession, but that brought inflation down. And we've been okay ever since then until this last, you know, last year or so. So let's just keep our fingers crossed that we can work it out. Are you an optimist, Garnet? Yeah, I am. I am an optimist. I mean, it, it's hard to be an optimist when you turn on the TV news or read the newspapers and see all the bad shit that's going on in the world. Um, but I think we'll work it out. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that we will. I mean, it's not going to be easy. We're going to have to do it sort of one step at a time, but we will get there. That's, that's my view. And when it comes to the concept of individual liberty, you during the pandemic, oh my goodness, our freedoms. And then in a way that looked like contamination to me as I watched the news day in and day out, it seemed to me that that spilled over the border and some truckers decided that they were gonna make a big demonstration countrywide in Canada, uh, stopping in Ottawa, the capital of Canada, 
looking at it as a Canadian, what did that look like to you? A blow for freedom or a bunch of people getting in the way of commerce and progress? Because I freely admit to you, Garnet, it looked like the latter to me and it was being run by people who probably had a lot of help from the United States in making something like that, in staging it. Yeah, no, I agree with your view. Clearly it wasn't a, 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 a fight for freedom. It was just a bunch of people who had decided to make an issue out of the vaccine mandates um, and uh, th th those people probably had a chip on their shoulders about something for way back when. This was just an excuse. And they got the truckers to go to Ottawa. They blockaded the basically the whole downtown for a number of days, blockaded the, the major bridge between uh, Windsor, Canada, and Detroit, Michigan for a while. And, and so I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, I'm, I'm abiding by all these lockdowns. Why do you guys think that your freedom is more important than everyone else's freedom? And it isn't. And so I, I was really quite happy that they actually, uh, they invoked the, uh, something called the Emergencies Act in Canada, that the, the Prime Minister did that, which gives them some sweeping power to, uh, to clear out the protesters. I mean, one of the things was that all those big trucks that were parked in downtown, uh, the semi-trailers in, in downtown Ottawa, when the police tried to get uh, tow truck operators to, to, to haul them away, the tow truck operators, they stuck with the, with the trucking companies because those were their major clients. So they refused to do it. So the Emergency Act gave the, uh, the government the power to say, okay, you guys have to tow these trucks out of here and clear it away. Now, they're having a, a, a hearing, public hearing right now about the use of that Emergencies Act. That's ongoing right now. And some people say it was unnecessary. Other people like me saying, well, if you have to use that to do it, then go ahead and you did a good job. I have no sympathy for those uh, trucking uh, protesters, blockading, whatever. I think, you know, uh, it, it was just, uh, and, and they got a lot of help from outside influences as well, in terms of, you know, there are some people in North America who just like to get in, in, into any sort of a gathering and cause as much trouble as they can. So I think some of that was mm -hmm. there, uh, but in any event, uh, that seems to be gone. The hearing will, will continue on in terms of whether or not the government should have done that or not. Doesn't matter, it's already done truckers are gone and hopefully we don't have that again all right i got a segue here you have in the uh, eight times you've been on the show this is the ninth time a lot of our conversation garnet has been about the unseen world the metaphysical world beyond the physical what how does that fit in how because it feels like you have one foot in each world you have one foot in this world where you know the truckers are causing a problem and there's there's uh, you know smoke and pollution and things going on the economy is teetering and then the other foot in a, a much more spiritual much more metaphysical world how do you reconcile or is it possible to reconcile those two worlds in order to live the best life possible here? It's not easy to reconcile it. I wish I could have both feet in the metaphysical world and forget about the reality of where I live, but that's not possible. So I have to deal with both of them. And the, the, sometimes they're in direct conflict with, uh, in terms of views, uh, but I have to just uh, uh, you know, carry on in this world, hoping that uh, I really could spend most of my time in the metaphysical world, but that doesn't happen. And but in the end result, I know uh, where I'm going and what's going to happen. So the truckers have their own journeys. I have mine. I don't agree with what they're doing, uh, but I know at the end of the day, guess what? We're all going to end up back in the spirit side where we can sit back and evaluate what we did and figure out whether we were good people or bad people. And so that's 
I know that that's going to happen. I'm not in a rush to get there, but 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 I know that everyone is going to uh, have a life review after they finish their, their their lives, and those truckers are going to have to deal with what they did, and they have to decide, well, was that a good thing, or was did I just go way off the rails? That's something they'll have to face, and so I just have to try to live as best I can with a foot in each uh, in, in each reality. I think do that's you, a good idea, a good strategy. Do you think that's a, a role that that we do, or do you think that some of the things that we do are 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 devilish angels on our shoulders, just calling us away from our good side to stir up a little trouble? Or do you think that you know people actually come here in order to play the devil? It happens both ways, according to Albert and Suzanne. In some cases, some of the evil things that happen um, are, were pre-planned. Uh, for example, um, uh, if somebody was, uh, let's say somebody in a previous life was a, a brutal uh, father who abused his wife and children, okay, finishes that life and decides that he wants to try to make amends to, to balance out the karma, so he might choose a life where he is a child who's abused by his father. Now, to do that, he, he may have to get somebody in his soul group to say, do you want to be my father and do you want to abuse me because that's what I want to experience. So in that case, it was planned. But in many cases, the evil is not planned. It's just people who let their negative emotions like fear, anger, greed, hate get out of control and they spin way off their path and they cause a lot of damage. And so it happens both ways. There's no way of telling in advance whether something was pre-planned or whether it just came because somebody went off the rails. So it's, it's one of those grand mysteries of life on earth. I, I, got, I got a lot to say, Gary. I need to let you get here You know, you have me thinking, the two of you, that there's a certain management function if there is such a thing as a government of heaven. And I don't know that there is. I don't have that kind of insight. However, I have a lot of curiosity. And Garnet, I'm curious to know, when you speak about a life review, to the extent that it has been intimated to you, what is the life review for, given the fact that, for example, I'm looking back in history, and history seems to be a story of technological progress with such rapidity as to seem like magic. But by the same token, our spiritual growth from century to century advances, not in, in miles, not in yards, not in feet, but in inches. And so I think of ancient Egypt, for example, and the popular conception of judgment was that once you die and you cross the river, there, your soul is actually put on a scale. And the sum total of your deeds, your thoughts, your actions in this body during your lifetime is judged and either you're going to go on to the good place or I don't know what happens to you in the bad place in Egyptian mythology. And uh, if they have such a thing as a, uh, an ancient theology about what happens to human beings. Other people tell me though, Garnet, that it's a matter of, okay, like you took a test. This time you got a C minus, but we know you can get an A next time. So well, the life review itself, what, what do your guides, the people who are dancing on a stamp, who are, who are these folks and what are they telling you about the destiny of human souls? Well, quite clearly, uh, it's very clear is that, that when uh, we, our souls leave our physical bodies on death, we cross over to the spirit side. And one of the things we do 
right off the start is have the life review, which you mentioned, Gary. And the life review is designed not to make a soul feel badly about what they what they did or didn't do during the during their lives, but to uh, show them uh, where they went right, where they fell off the rails, and, and and it's a learning tool, a learning tool for them to plan their next incarnation. And so the life review is very very important because we go through life a lot of times with our head in the clouds, not realizing how our actions and words affect others around us. In the life review. You get to watch sort of everything in your past life, like you're watching a 3D movie. If you want to, you can even sort of jump back into a segment of your life and, and relive it, re-experience it. Mm -hmm. But the really important thing about the life review is you get to feel the, uh, the emotions and hear the thoughts of the people you interacted with. So that's very important because you may have said something nasty to a coworker one day, not really thinking that much about what your words did. When you get into your life review, you'll feel the, the hurt and the anguish of that coworker as they're wondering, why was he so mean to me? What did I do? And you don't get you don't get to hear that when you're in your life life review. You get all of that. You also get the good things. So if you if you uh, shoveled off the driveway of your elderly neighbor after a snowstorm, um, and she's looking at you out through the window, you can hear her love and her gratitude towards you because she's thinking this as she's watching you do this 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 act of kindness. So you get both the good and the bad, but you get it in very much intimate detail. And so that, that's really a learning tool. It's not meant to make you feel bad about what you did. I mean, we all do bad things. I mean, some of us do a lot more bad things, but it, it's meant to show you maybe next time you could have avoided doing the bad thing by doing something differently. So it's, 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 really, a, it's really a learning tool. It's not a punishment. And the only person who judges you is yourself as you're watching your life review. It's like, okay, um, I, I really messed up in this life. I'm eager to get back to another life to uh, to try to do better the next time. You know, from thank that, you for that. Barbara. From that standpoint, you know, Gary was saying he felt like humanity was only advancing by very small degrees, but with a life review and multiple lifetimes, do you feel like humanity itself has advanced over the millennia? I do indeed, um, and, and and as Albert has pointed out, and Albert, my spirit guy has pointed out to me, he said that if I wrote my books uh, 30 years ago, no one would read them, and I wouldn't be on any radio shows because radio shows like what you guys have and all the other ones did not exist. Nobody would pay any attention to them. So we have progressed in terms of having more spiritually minded people, more open minded people, more people are questioning the tenets of their religion, and most religions, as Gary mentioned earlier, it's sort of like you know the ancient egyptians it's sort of like you have to be good so you can go to a good place heaven and if you're bad you'll go to an awful place called hell that was a great tool for filling the church pews every sunday but in reality that's just wrong and 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 and, and so we have to uh we, we have to get away from this prospect of somebody judging you when you cross over nobody judges you you judge yourself but in a, in a very uh, constructive way not in a negative way excellent we're at the bottom of the hour already. Why don't we go ahead and take our break? Our one and only break of the hour. We're talking with Garnet Schulhauser. Always a blast when we have our gentleman friend from British Columbia, formerly of Alberta. He decided to see how they live out on the coast. So he got out of the Prairie Province and decided to be styling in Victoria. <laughs> and I'm sure having a great time. He, we get to see each other on camera here, though it's audio only as a broadcast. And, and you look, you look ruddy with health, radiant. You're doing all the right things, Garnet. And as I say, some of the best looking people I've seen in North America, bar none, are Canadians. 
You want to, hey, you single guys, you're not having any luck where you are in Puget Sound. I hope you have a passport. Go up to British Columbia, tool around Vancouver, Victoria. Take it from me and you're welcome. So we will continue our discussion with Garnet Schulhauser on the other side of a short break. We are Manson Mitchell and you are tuned in to Seattle's home of alternative talk, AM 1150. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is mansonmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Garnet Schulhauser to join us for a little metaphysical Q&A from across the border to the north. On Saturday, Kirk McKnight takes us out to the ball game as we discuss baseball announcers, baseball parks, and baseball teams. October Madness rules. Bringing you fascinating talk since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Conversation you won't find on the rest of the dial. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest Garnet Schulhauser from the Victoria area of BC, Canada. Always happy to have him with us. Garnet, if people would like to read the books that you've written or find out more about you, what is the best way for them to do that? Please tell us about your books. Yeah, all my books are about my um, dialogue and then subsequent astral travels with my spirit guide, Albert. There's five of them. Best way to dial into information on my books is my website, which is garnetschulhelzer.com. That's not easy to spell, but if you, if you uh, Google Dancing on a Stamp or any of my book titles, you can get to my website. There, there's a description of, of what's in my books. Uh, you can click into all my social media sites, go to my YouTube channel. I record all the recordings of my radio shows are available on my website. So right back from my first show in 2013 to today's show when it's available. So that's the best way for them to get information about my about my books. And, and I have a lot of number of videos on the YouTube channel that, that also can uh, help people understand who I am and where I come from. Uh, so that's the best source of information. 
Well, your name is not that hard to spell, but I'm going to run it by in case somebody is listening with a pen and paper in hand. Garnet, G-A-R-N-E-T, Schulhauser, S-C-H-U-L-H-A-U-S-E-R. Kind of like just the way it sounds. Garnet Schulhauser. Well, thank you for that. Um, I wanted to go back to one of the things that we had talked about before the break and get your thoughts about this. And that was when we were talking about both the idea that some people are here to play a part, play a role in humanity's progress by taking on the robe of the bad guy. And then the other idea that um, part of what we do is that we don't come here to take the role of the bad guy, but circumstances are such that we may fall into something where we are suddenly doing things that are not healthy for us or others. And one of the things that had occurred to me was that it has been stated often that we choose our families that there is some kind of agreement on the other side that I'm going to, I'm going to be in your family. And, uh, and so we may choose our parents, we may choose our families, in which case, one of the things that's kind of intrigued me, and I know very little about it. So let me just say that. But this idea of family DNA, family constellations, family dynamics, where you have the same thing going on for many generations. Uh, the the old the old story about uh, the young girl today who's you know breaking off the ham bone to cook it. And why do you do that? Well, my mother did that. Well, ask the mother why did you do that? Well, she goes, my mother did that. Ask the great grandmother, and the grandmother said, I didn't have a pan big enough. <clears throat> so there are things that are done generationally that affect us. And so I'm wondering how all of the, the, that family dynamic plays into this, the kind of thing you're talking about where it could be that you know, children who have been um, abused goes on generationally, four or five generations. And how does that get stopped? How do we advance as a civilization if we are carrying forward the DNA from multiple generations for things that we would not like to be doing anymore? Well, well we're faced with some, some physical facts, which is that the, the DNA in our physical bodies so that we, we inherit uh, genetics from our parents and grandparents and so on. So that's just a, a physical feature of, of a human life on earth. But the excuse me, the souls coming in. Most of the most of us belong to soul groups. So we we've, we've been traveling through many lives with these people in our soul group, and we interchange positions. So one time you're the you're the father, and the next time you're the the the, the sister or the brother or whatever. We keep on switching the roles, switching sexes, and, and so we travel together in groups. It's like a theater group traveling across the country performing in plays. So we sort of hang together, and so we do have to get them to be. Uh, I agree when we're planning a life, doing a soul contract, we have to get them to agree to be part of our lives and we have to agree to be part of their lives. So it's all a consensual thing. You can't just go up to another soul and say, guess what? I want you to be my father in my next life. Uh, so you have to sort of have an agreement. Um, and so, but, but the other part of the problem is that, that uh, oftentimes these soul groups, when they go through their lives, 
they often have unfinished karma, un unresolved issues that they have to, that they didn't bother resolving, that often spills forward into the next life. And so, so souls are dealing with both the sort of the, the uh, spiritual karma that they may have accumulated, plus their physical genetics from their parents and grandparents. And it's, it's not an easy cycle to break, but that's, I mean, every soul who wants to reincarnate says, well, I'm going to do better than I did the last life. And they all, they all say that. They all want to try to do better. But the problem is we have free will when we get here, and we don't remember our history, don't remember our past lives or what we put in our life plan. So we're kind of floundering around. And that's why it's, it's a real test, a real tough school, planet Earth. As uh, Dolores Cannon has said, I don't know if you're familiar with her, she said that Earth is one of the toughest schools around, uh, and that and Albert has said to me, uh, every human on Earth should pat themselves on the back for being so courageous as to come into this very tough school. But we're here. You, you and Gary, you all had your own reasons for coming here, so did I. We don't remember what they were. We will when we get back there, but in the meantime, we have to try to do our best. And oftentimes, uh, Suzanne, we're dealing with unresolved karma from other lifetimes that leaks through. Uh, and we're not aware of it. That's why. I mean, if you, if you're if you somebody important in your life, you have trouble uh, getting along with. You don't. You're knocking heads all the time. Could well be that you had some unresolved karma from another life where the two of you were were fighting and disputing all the time. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's the old saying: if you don't learn the lesson in, uh, that comes in front of you, it'll keep on reappearing until you learn it. And so, oftentimes, souls are faced with that. I, I did hear that about a family member that we had had other lifetimes fighting. And, and so uh, the fact that we're doing that again is still that unresolved karma that you're talking about. And um, an interesting challenge, you know, interesting challenge to, to look at um, these soul groups, these family groups where you have a lot of the same issues kind of repeating themselves where you are having a different role in that. Once you're the abuser, the other time you're being abused, you know, once you're, you know, the loving person, next time you're not so loving. And, and it, it is interesting to consider that it's all about the experience of all of this. And then I go back to, are we really advancing? Are we really getting um, more loving more caring about one another because it, you know as you said you look on the news you don't see it there no no it, it looks pretty grim when you listen to the evening news but i think we are getting better and as i mentioned uh you know in, in the last 30 years there's been more and more people who have become spiritually aware more enlightened so i think we are getting better and and, and to the extent that we get better and are more loving and more compassionate and more forgiving we raise our vibrations and that's the goal is to keep on raising our vibrations and you can't, I mean, you have to start with yourself and then you start with your, your loved ones and your family and coworkers and try to spread the word and, and, and get it out there. And that's all we can do is just sort of like one person at a time. But Albert told me, interestingly enough, he said, we have raised our vibrations quite a bit since a few hundred years ago. He said that, that if, if you were able to appear physically uh, uh, to someone in the 15th century, you would be sort of semi-transparent because your vibrations would have risen high enough over the last five or hu human vibrations over the last 500 years to uh to to to, to them we would be semi-transparent which seems kind of strange but that's what he said and that's why the people on the spirit side you can't see them because their vibration is so much higher 
that, that we just can't, we can't see them. We can't, we can't perceive them at all. It's sort of like, as somebody said, it's like when you have a, a fan, when it's stopped, you can see the blades. When the fan's going, you just, you just see a whirl. You don't see anything. And so that's, that's, the, that, that's why high vibrations are, are a goal. And we need to raise our vibrations as high as we possibly can um, to uh, become better people. But we have progressed. We've progressed a lot. Good. Glad to hear you saying that. An optimistic note. It, it makes me wonder, too, Garnet. You know, we talk about the people who work out their karma. Uh, I, I'm the victim in this life, let's say, just hypothetically. I'm a victim. But in my previous lifetime or two, I was a notorious SOB. I used to do all kinds of uh, cruel things, think I would get away with it. And maybe I did in that lifetime, but then I come back in and, and now I have to deal with a plethora of SOBs. Karmically and philosophically, I found that challenging, I admit to you, Garnet, because, okay, I was the SOB last time. Now you're the, okay, you get to be the SOB. I'll be the victim. So I find out what it's like. Maybe I'll, I'll develop more empathy. You know, I hope so. And then next time around, I don't know. Maybe I'm less of an SOB. But in terms of human evolution at the soul level, why so many SOBs? I mean, we've been at this business, you know, for uh, tens of thousands of years, evolving into who we are as homo sapiens, and I just, I look at the news, I talk to the neighbors, I meet people randomly, and it just seems like if we're moving this forward, it's to a very uncertain destiny because this, this at least the illusion of good versus evil, and I believe there's only one essential power driving the universe creatively. But if you have that much human pain, the agony of good and evil in human experience, how do you get over that? That's rather a large hump, it seems to me. Oh, it is. It's not an easy job for sure. And the souls incarnating into planet Earth, they know that. They know what they're getting into. They know it's going to be a tough road to hold, but they do it anyway because they basically, having had a number of lives here, want to come back and improve what, what happens in our civilization to humanity. And, 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 and uh, you know, we, we can never get, totally get rid of, at this level, the negative emotions that cause most of our problems like fear, anger, hate, greed, and so on. And when those emotions get out of control, that's when we have genocide, serial killings, mass shootings, and all the other bad stuff that happens. And, and uh, the, generally speaking, those souls uh, did not want to, for the most part, they didn't plan those, those things. They just went off the rails. And that's just because we have free will and there's too many other things to, 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 to lure us off the track. You know, like our human minds uh, have their own desires. They want to accumulate money and material possessions and power and all those things that, that cause a lot of the problems. Our souls don't want any of that, but our souls have only a limited control over what we do here. They send us messages all the time. Most of the time we ignore them or we don't hear them. And so that's the real struggle, but, but we are getting better. Uh, and um, you know, I, I think when you look back at, at history, you know, for example, years ago, say in England, you could be hung if you stole uh, you know, a loaf of bread. And, and, and so we're getting much more better at things of being much more compassionate and understanding. We don't do that anymore. I mean, I mean there's lots of, of religious wars um, way back in history, Spanish Inquisition, where uh, Jewish people were tortured and killed because they wouldn't convert. We don't do that anymore, at least not in, in, in the Western world. So we are getting better in some degrees, but we still have a long ways to go. So we can just, we just have to keep marching on and hopefully we don't kill ourselves or destroy our life on this planet before that happens. 
well, we're on is. a continuum and yes. yeah i can get that we're on a continuum so we have come so far but we still have a long way to go very interesting thank you for for opining about that do do canadians celebrate halloween to any extent oh sure yeah we're pretty much uh, the same as america the yeah. kids get dressed up people decorate their homes kids go trick-or-treating that has been subdued to the last couple of years because of covid but this right. year we're expecting a full-blown everyone's all for it kind of thing yeah they, they do it is very very similar Okay. I know that uh, a lot of the Halloween uh, celebrations have moved into malls here in the United States, rather than people going door to door. I went door to door as a young kid. And I, I went from the moment I got out of school all the way until dark, and sometimes past dark. And uh, I loved collecting uh, bags of candy. I mean, that to me, that was a great holiday. I, I noticed more so that they're having parties in malls and they're getting kids like congregating where they can be better watched rather than just letting them run loose up and down the streets the way they used to. And we're in an area which has very few children in it. And, and so it's, a, it's more of an over 55 community. And so we don't even, we go years without even seeing a child here. But, um, but I was just curious if you have all that dress up stuff and party stuff and candy stuff going on. Oh, oh yes, it's very similar. They have, they have parties at school. Uh, they do do gatherings in malls as well, but some kids go door to door. I can remember when my oldest son was uh, three years old and I took him out trick or treating the first time. This is in Calgary, unusually cold fall. It was like minus uh, 30 centigrade, which would be, I'm not sure what it is in Fahrenheit, very cold day. We both dressed up. I took them to three houses and then we went back home because <laughs> it was just <laughs> too cold. <laughs> and, I, and, and he was he was happy because we had a lot of leftover candy from that we were going to hand out to our the children who knocked on our door. So he was fine, but it was really a, a very cold day. But that, that was unusual. Uh, you know, here in Victoria, of course, it never gets that cold. So we will we're kind of in an older settlement as well. So we don't have that many kids, uh, but we're expecting a few more. And I tell my wife, you know, buy as much candy as you want because if the kids don't get it, I'll eat it. There you sure. go. <laughs> and, and that allows me to verify something that I was talking about with Suzanne just a couple of days ago. We were at dinner talking about this or that flavored tea and candy as well there. And I said, you know, I have heard, and this is many, many years ago, but if there were an unofficial flavor of Canada, the delectation of a taste, I'm told that it would be, nationally speaking, it would be peppermint. The peppermint's really, really big in Canada. Now, here's your opportunity to debunk that, or else you're going to advance the peppermint industry by a lot. Well, I enjoy peppermint for sure. I wasn't aware it was Canada's national flavor. When, when you were saying that, I was going to guess that you were going to say maple syrup. Uh, which is, <laughs> oh. which is, it's on the Canada's flag thing. and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and maple syrup is, is a big thing. Of course, it's a, a big industry in Quebec and Ontario, not out here. Uh, but peppermint's interesting, and I personally do like it. Uh, I just have never heard that before, so I'm getting a new perspective here. Thank you. Well, I, you know, and I'm not even sure it's true. It's something that I read, and I thought maybe really all they're saying in a fancy way is that it is very popular there. You know, many people will eat peppermint-flavored candies like these pepper peppermints or chocolate covered peppermint patties they'll enjoy that even in winter 
you think you'd want something warm in your mouth and it is warm, but it's kind of like a menthol warmth. And I'm going, wow, those Canadians, they're onto something here. We'll find out whether or not it's really true there. So peppermint popular, but not in any official way. It's a nonpartisan kind of survey we're taking. Yeah, and, and that's sort of typical for Canadians. We kind of sort of go our, our own way quietly without without uh, announcing it to the world. Uh, so that's probably true with peppermint, but but uh, you know maple syrup is very big here. And I don't know if you enjoy it. Do you get maple syrup in Florida? Uh, we uh, get it, but we get it from Vermont. Right, we have to import <laughs> oh, it. Yeah, okay, <laughs> from either right, either fair, from fair Canada enough. or from or from a state that that has yeah. the maple. Yeah, Vermont tree. would have maple syrup for sure. Yeah, yeah, well, that's great. Do you do you still hear from Albert? Do you still have a, a connection with your spirit guide that is active, or is it less so now? It's less active than when I was writing my books, but he's still there, and we do chat uh, now and then. And uh, many people have asked me when I'm going to, if I'm going to do, or when I'm going to do book six. And I always say, well, I'll wait for my marching orders from Albert. And so um, I'm just sort of cruising along here. And one of these days, he's going to hit me over the head with a two by four and say, get going on book six. So I'm just waiting for that. And has he, has he given you the, a lot of the information that you put in your books? Is it a, a well, collaboration he, in that way? Yeah, he, he's shown me things uh, on our astral travels. Uh, so that's in my books. And he's introduced me to people on the spirit side that I've talked to. Um, uh, and then if I need some uh, extra information, of course, he'll fill Build in, so he's very much of a of my tour guide and my sort of like my book director. He'll he'll direct me to places with the hope that I'll write about what I see and what I hear. Um, and so he's very much actively involved when I am writing. Uh, he doesn't dictate to me what what I should write. I wish he would, uh, because sometimes I sit there at the at the keyboard and nothing comes in this typical writer's block. But he doesn't uh, he he doesn't get me out of that jam. I have to do that myself. Okay. I'm curious. Let me draw an analogy to hockey here, Garnet. When when I watch hockey games on TV, of course, they get the expertise from former players, NHL players who were stars in their day, maybe even Hall of Famers. They, they've got Wayne Gretzky. They're sitting and talking in the studio these days. When you have a spiritual guide, now, you know, hockey players play, and then maybe they coach, maybe they scout, maybe they're in the front office, maybe they're on TV providing their coverage or radio, what have you. But once you've played, going, you know, Wayne Gretzky's not going to put on the skates again unless he feels like a recreational. He's not going to go back and try to, you know, get his old job back with the Edmonton Oilers or something like that. The guides in the spirit world, when they have had, and I presume that they have had these human lifetimes, however many, if reincarnation is real, do they ever suit up and come back to earth school again? Or do they reach such a stage of development that they're more than happy to help a gentleman like you, but they're going to stay on the other side permanently? How does that work? Well, it's a bit of both. For some spirit guides, they have incarnated. Well, most spirit guides have incarnated on earth. And that just gives them the, the history and the experience of a life on earth that, that makes them a better advisor. Uh, so most of them have incarnated. Some are at the stage where they, uh, they are gonna incarnate again and just sort of taking a time out to be a spirit guide. And some are so advanced that they say, well, I'm not gonna bother uh, coming back to planet earth, but I am gonna help other people. So it's kind of all over the map. There's various levels of advancement on the spirit world. Um, so some souls are, are inexperienced, some have a lot of experience, 
Um, you've heard the term old soul. There's a lot of those that have been around for a long time, have a lot of wisdom. I once remember asking Albert if, uh, uh, if I had many lives on earth before this, and he said, yeah, many. And I said to him, does that mean I'm an old soul? And he said, no, you're just a slow learner. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like George Washington in that regard. They cannot tell a lie, right? Exactly. <laughs> But there, but said compassionately, I'm sure, because the, the guides are there to do exactly that, to guide human souls to, to growth, to soul evolution, which is a very intriguing term to me, that there would be such a thing as soul evolution. To me, that would be, if real, that would be one of the strongest arguments for reincarnation, because for whatever reason, we keep coming back in here in order to be in this world of 3D and the fourth dimension being time in order to learn what we need to learn. I don't know why it's the case but I keep hearing that it is so. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's very true. And a lot of people say, well, if I have free choice to not incarnate back on earth, then there's no way I'm coming back to this hellhole. But that's from the human perspective. The souls of the spirit side, everyone's eager to try to improve what's happening on planet earth. So they all want to incarnate to do better than their last life, uh, to try to improve what's going on on planet earth. And so souls are just eager to do it. It's, no one forces them to do it. You know, like, why does, it, why does someone on earth decide to run a marathon or climb Mount Everest? Nobody's forcing them to do it. Uh, and they know there's going to be some grueling times ahead, uh, but we still do it. And so everyone, all these humans, how, however many billion we have on earth, they all chose to come here and, and be born in their particular situation. And they did so for a reason to evolve. So hard for us to understand that, Gary, but uh, that's the way it is, apparently. Are you ever amazed, Garnet, that you were chosen by Albert to do the work that you do? Does it just kind of stun you once in a while that you're involved in this? Yeah, it does. And I've asked Albert how it came about. And he said, well, he and I planned all this, this meeting, this meeting on the street as a homeless man. We planned it all before I incarnated. Of course, I didn't remember any of that. Uh, and I, so, I, so I asked him, you know, why did you pick me? There's uh, billions of people on the planet. He said, well, they thought that I had some previous lives where I had some experience as a, as a writer. And they thought that might flow through to this one because his main purpose for contacting me was to get me to write books so everyone would hear and read about his revelation. So that was sort of the history, but he's a bit cagey. I'm sure there's more to it than that. I will find, that, find out eventually, but he's, he only gives me spoonfuls of information that he thinks I need to know at any, any given time. So that's all, all I know was pre-planned. Excellent. Interview number nine. I'm glad that you books. joined us today. Yes. Thank you so much for, for sharing what you have to share here today. Thank you Man. for having me. It's always a pleasure to, to be on your show. And I hope you guys have a, a, a brilliant rest of your day. Oh, and we hope we wish you happy Thanksgiving. You folks celebrate yours before we get around to it. I know it'll be a time of gratitude and you seem like a man who is very grateful to have his existence. And we're grateful to have you with us, Garnet, anytime. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, Trip we, Talk. Trip Talk coming up 1 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. Join us right here on AM 1150 and have a great weekend, everyone.